Hello, everyone. I'm Sophie. I'm Gemma. And welcome to True Crime Say What, the show where I know what I'm talking about. And I'm just here for the ride. Today is an extra special episode because we have a guest star with us. Guest star, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes, star. She built me up. (laughs) True crime guys and gals and those who have yet to make up their mind. It's mom. Glad to be here. (laughs) Thank you for the birdcage intro. That was lovely. (laughs) Well, it was actually the... um, it was Birdcage esque, but it was actually from Kinky Boots. Oh, oh, my bad. It's Lola's line it in um, the finale. It's and Lola's line throughout the show. I didn't plan it. It just that's what came out when I was introducing myself. So I just kind of rolled with it. it. It was great. I loved it. Awesome. So I did not expect this. Uh, but here we are. Guys, <laughs> your mom's here. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you definitely know this case because you were the one who got me on the documentary that was released last year. Oh, oh, do can I guess? Go ahead and guess. Are we? I forget her name. Gosh darn it. Is it, is it a girl? It is a girl. Don't and give it away. I don't, I don't really have to censor myself, do I? I can curse if I feel. If you feel. Yeah, if you feel. So I'll obligate you. Is, um, I, I don't want to give I don't want to give anything away, but I think I know the case we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just let you introduce it because I don't want to accidentally give anything away. How All about that? Right. Sounds good. Today we are talking about the case of Shanann Watts. Yes. Okay. I know it. You definitely know this one. Just a quick warning. This one is a little sensitive to some people. There are children involved. So that's always a downer. Um, Some triggers. Yeah, some triggers. And I'll definitely sprinkle them throughout the sensitive parts. But we can go ahead and get started. Shanann Catherine Ruzizic. And yes, I looked up how to say that. That is how it is pronounced. I'm proud of you. I know. Was born January 10th, 1984 in Pazizic County, New Jersey. Shortly after her birth, her parents, Sandra and Frank Ruzizic, moved to Moore County, North Carolina. And that's where she was raised. She was raised in a part of North Carolina called Pinecrest. I'm not very familiar with North Carolina, but I know you wanted to go to school there at one point. So I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah, I have no idea. I know where Charlotte is. That's it. Maybe Raleigh. Uh, yeah. Oh, where was Alex? Cherry something. Alex was stationed at Cherry Point. Cherry Point. I yeah. know where that is. Is there like my friend April lives in Charlotte? Shout right. out April. We know a couple places in North Carolina, but not Pinecrest. <laughs> Amazing guys. Yes, she attended Pinecrest High School, and while she was there, she met a young man who was attending law school, and his name was Leonardo King, or sorry, Leonard King, not Leonardo. I just always want to go to DiCaprio. You think it might have been Leonard? Oh, yeah. You know what? Um, It might be Leonard. (laughs) It's just a thought, you know. (laughs) Maybe it's Leonard. Maybe they're just really. Uh, it has pompous, a. It says, it says Leo at the beginning. Just Le- Leonard. Oh, but, how do you spell? <laughs> how 
<laughs> Lenard. Lenard. Okay. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> they quickly began dating after this, and they married in 2005 or 2006. The exact date couldn't really be retrieved because, spoiler alert, this marriage didn't really last that long. They were only married for three to four years, and then they divorced in 2009. Shannon said that after her first marriage, she was left completely drained emotionally, and she just wanted to get back on her feet as her own woman. She once said that she used to feel happy and bubbly all the time, and now she was feeling sluggish and drained from her normal life. Shannon's main goal for herself after the divorce was to buy and own her own house. So she, she said she grew up really poor, and growing up in that environment really pushed her to strive for that goal. Like, she really just wanted to own a house. Through her hard work, she was able to reach her goal and actually took it one step further by building her own house at the age of 25. Wow, damn. Yeah, self-made woman. Yeah. Unfortunately, around this time, Shannon was able to figure out the real reason she had been feeling down in the dumps, and it wasn't just because of her rough divorce. Shannon was diagnosed with lupus, which, in case you don't know, is an autoimmune disorder that can cause fatigue, fevers, joint pains, and more. Yeah. Lupus is pretty serious, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a progressive disease, right? It gets worse the longer you have it. Yeah, and it can be pretty debilitating. Shanann said her first symptoms were um, not being able to get out of bed. She had a lot of body pains, aches, stuff like that. And she had to go through multiple doctors to finally get a diagnosis for what was going on with her. Lupus is also categorized by plaguing the person affected with various flare-ups. So yeah, it can get progressively worse, but a lot of the times, like, you'll be good for a while, and then all of a sudden it'll flare up on you. Mm. She described being diagnosed as one of the darkest times in her life, and she fell into a deep depression. Luckily, she soon found someone who helped her out of that depression. A year after her divorce, in 2010, Shanann received a Facebook request from a Chris Watts. He was an oil field worker in Woodlands, Texas at the time. And despite uh, working in Texas, Chris uh, lived in North Carolina. So he would travel back and forth for work. What? What? Yeah. That's like 11 hours. Didn't want to commit to the Lone Star State, or? <laughs> I guess not. Well, his parents also lived in North Carolina and stuff like that. So, you know. Okay. And, like, the way oil field works, you could, like, work for six months and then be out of it for a while. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's wrong. It's a 20-hour drive. It is Crap. very. Woo! We made that drive. We made that drive. We did. It took us three days. <laughs> I think I think so. That sounds he stops right. along the way, of course. Mm -hmm. She innocently accepted this request, thinking, "Oh, you know, I'll never meet him in real life." That type of thing. But she did. <laughs> and Shanann said at the time that she met Chris, she wasn't looking for anything, no like love or anything like that. In fact, she said she actually did everything to push Chris away from her, and that any normal guy would have, you know been scared off by her but chris stuck by her side and she eventually fell in love with him she said that he was the best thing that ever happened to her 
Chris and Chanan officially tied the knots on November 3rd, 2012 in Minklenburg County, North Carolina. After getting married, the couple visited Colorado and absolutely fell in love with the states. They decided that it was time for them to pick up and move across the country to Frederick, Colorado. Hey, don't know where that is either, but... It's in Colorado! Yeah. Also, I just have a quick question. Yeah, Her name on? is Shanann? Her name is Shanann. I, I had to look it up several times because I was like... And it's I not Shannon. It's not Shannon? It's not Shannon, it's Shanann. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's spelled funny, so maybe they spelled it that way to try to encourage the Shanann pronunciation. Yes, it is spelled S H A N A N N. And there's a there's apostrophe between the S H A N and the A N N. So it's Shanann. Okay. Shanann. A lot a lot going on with her name. Got it. Mm-hmm. Chris was able to keep the same job with the same oil company because they're all around the United States. Not in North Carolina, though? Uh, well, maybe they needed him in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> A little over one year after Shanann and Chris got married, on December 17th, 2013, Shanann gave birth to their first daughter, and they named her Bella. My present on my daughter! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, no. It's a baby. Well, anyways, this was especially exciting. Shanann had been told that she was unable to have children. Oh, why did they say that? What reason did they give? Uh, I'm not sure the reason they gave. I think it was a complication with lupus, though. They were like, I don't know if you'll be able to support that. But she was. And a year later, she had their second daughter, Celeste. Uh, who went by Cece. Oh, that's cute. After the birth of their two daughters, Shanann started to become very active, blogging her family's life on Facebook. She would post videos or, like, little written updates about how their life was going, what they were doing, where they were going to be that day. She was like a like an influencer. When? What year was this? This is 2018. Oh, okay. Well, a- after... um. Cece was born, it was like 2014, so she she kind of started like 2014 to 2016, and then we'll jump forward to 2018 right now, actually. August 13th, 2018 was an abnormal day for the family. Shanann had been away from the house for a business trip in Arizona and returned way earlier that morning around 2 a.m. From a business trip? Yeah, her flight got delayed a couple times. So she came in, like, super late. This was captured by the family's ring camera and logged in their home security system. So there's footage of her coming home. Mm -hmm. Later that morning, her friend Nicole Atkinson, who was the one who dropped her off at the house the night before, attempted to contact her. She said that Shanann had been upset at the airport and during the ride home, and she wanted to check in on her. Hold up. Hold up. You got a friend picking you up at the airport at 2 a.m.? What was it going to be 2 a.m.? They were on a business trip together. Oh, they were together. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, they are co-workers. I say that later, but I guess I should have said it. No worries. I was just like, damn, that is a good friend. And why not just super? <laughs> no, they like went together. And then she was like, well, I guess I have to drop her off, even though her plane got delayed. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm with you now. Mm-hmm. That's why she knew that Shanann was upset at the airport and then on the way home type of thing. The only problem was after Nicole uh, made several texts and calls, none of them were answered. Nicole found this especially weird as she knew Shanann worked for the same company she did and they did most of their work through their cell phones. Nicole grew increasingly worried as more time passed and headed over to Shanann's house around 11.30 a.m. When she arrived, the first thing she noticed was that Shanann's car was in the driveway, but when Nicole tried the door, there was no answer. There's footage of her going in, but nothing of her going out? Nope. Nothing of her going out. Okay. After numerous attempts to get someone to answer the door, Nicole decided to call the police to report her concerns. When the officer arrived on scene, there wasn't a lot that they could do until he was allowed onto the property by the property owner. You can't just walk into someone's house because they're not answering the door. Right. There's rules about that. There you is. Know, probably a good thing. So he started talking to some neighbors, being like, hey, have you seen your neighbor this morning? They were like, no, no one had seen her. No one around the neighborhood had seen her or anything like that. Nicole was able to get into contact with Chris while the officer was doing that. And she informed Chris, like, hey, we don't know where your wife is. Do you know where she is? He said that he thought Shanann might have gone over to a friend's house with the girls. Because she had a lot of friends that had um, girls the same age as their girls. So, like, maybe they went over there for, like, a play date or something, and she just didn't tell anybody. I mean, I guess, like, a work day? It's a Monday. So Yeah. So, what? <laughs> so, are she and the girls missing at this point? I mean, no one's answering the door. So, so, either the girls are in the house alone, or Shanann and the girls aren't there. Or, like, Shanann's passed out somewhere. Do we know if the girls go to daycare or preschool or anything like that? They do go to preschool. We know that much. But I think they weren't going today because they were expected to be at the house that day with Shanann. The only problem with her going over to a friend's house was he said he didn't think that she would go without her car. Yeah, clearly. Like, why would she walk to a friend's house? Unless it's like a neighbor. With both of her kids. Right. Little ones, too. Yeah, they're little. They're three and four at this time. He didn't know where else Shanann would be. And he was like, okay, uh, I'm going to come back so I can let you guys in and help you guys find my wife because she's not there. Mm -hmm. He made his drive from Survey Road, which was the oil field site that he was working that day, and it was about 45 minutes away. While they were waiting for Chris, Nicole started to call every friend of Shanann's that she could think of, and she also called family members because Nicole and Shanann were, like, pretty tight-knit. Mm -hmm. None of them knew where she was, so the officer and Nicole were just left to wait for Chris to return. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all they can really do. Yeah, they've talked to the neighbors. They're just waiting. When Chris finally arrived, he went through the garage and he was like, yep, that's definitely her car that's in the driveway. And that's the only car she could take. So unless someone picked her up, she should be here. It was immediately apparent to the officer and to Nicole, who had known Chris, that he was very flustered and fidgety upon arrival at the scene. Mm. 
Christopher. Christopher. Watching you. When he talked, he stumbled over his words, and he was often seen, like, playing with his hands. I don't know, maybe he's nervous. Like, hey, where are my wife and children? But, like, I don't know. A normal husband would just be like, oh, they're fine. He would not be so flustered in front of her best friend and a cop, is what I mean. Fair enough. I mean, in that situation, you try not to let your mind go to that place. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I'm sus of him because why would he be so flustered if he, if he just, like, you're just there to check if she's there and then go from there? Exactly. They are not suspecting you in the slightest. What time is it at this point? It is about 12 p.m., so noon. Noon, okay. Yes. Still light out his guide and still will be for a while. Yes. Chris didn't immediately let the officers and Nicole into the house. He instead entered and did like a quick once over to see like, hey, is anyone here? Does anyone need immediate medical attention? Once he saw that no one was there, he opened the front door for the officer and Nicole to come in. The officer asked if Shanann was diabetic or could be unresponsive somewhere in the house. Chris informed him that she did have lupus, but she hadn't experienced any episodes of fainting or losing stability while standing in like years. Then the officer questioned if Shanann could have been picked up by her parents or friends. He said that her parents were in North Carolina, so like that's not a possibility. And Nicole had already called all her friends, so that's also out. Nicole, Chris, and the officer all went around the house to see what they could find. Any clues to where they could be, because this is not a crime scene at this time. They can look through it. Mm -hmm. And Chris is allowing them access. When Chris entered the bedroom that he and Shanann shared together, he found her wedding ring and cell phone on the bedside table. The wedding ring? The cell phone? I mean, yeah. <laughs> They're both very suspicious. Why? I didn't go anywhere without my phone. Yes. You also didn't go anywhere without your wedding ring. So that's what I'm saying. Correct. Yeah, you don't do that unless it's a statement. You don't take that off. Right. 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 Was she mad at him? <laughs> But then why leave the phone? Yeah. Take the phone. Chris was immediately alarmed by the fact that her phone was on the bedside table. Yeah. Yeah. She never went anywhere with her phone. It was how she worked from home. She was working for a direct sales company called Thrive. So she literally made calls on her cell phone like all day. Yeah. It was also turned off, which she never did. Who does that? Yeah, yeah. What does that? Not it. Not in the morning either. What? The time I ever turn off my phone is if it's behaving badly. Yes, and then you turn it right back on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When Shanann's cell phone was turned on, several messages started filtering through from Chris, Nicole, other concerned friends and family. The messages from Chris were as follows. At 7.40, he sent, if you take the kids anywhere, please let me know where they are. With an exclamation point. Not like, just please let me know where you go? No. That, that was such a weird way to word it in my eyes, but go on. Also, I'm reading these texts, and I did misspeak. Right now, it's about 1.30 p.m. Well, okay. A little over an hour and a half after yeah. I said. Well, so, probably not hitting the panic button. No. Yeah. Quite yet. 
Mm-mm. At 12 p.m., he said, uh, please call me because he's getting all these messages and stuff. And at 1.19, after he was called back to the house, he sent, I'm on my way back home. Please be there. Followed by the last one that was sent at the same time that said, where are you? After searching the girls' room, the only thing Chris found missing was their baby blankets. What the hell? Why are they gone? He found this really disturbing because the girls never went anywhere without them. You know, that's their safety blanket type thing. Yeah. Yeah, Sophie loved her so much, I believe it disintegrated eventually. I still have my baby blankies. (laughs) I've got a box of them. Yes. Gemma wasn't a blanket kid. No. No, no, no. <laughs> so we have to. I'm a blanket kid now. <laughs> a late bloomer. I still have my two blankies. Yeah, aren't they kind of like the ribbon around the edge? I feel is gone. Yeah, they're t- they're very tattered. I have my star blankie. Oh yeah. And- Downstairs in the kitchen, Nicole found Shanann's purse, and the purse also had her lupus medication in it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, don't leave home without your purse, especially when it has your medication in it that you need. Yeah, so now they've left home without the purse, the lupus medication, the phone, and the wedding ring. Supposedly, we've left. Yes. Right. Uh, it also had, like, her wallet, her personal belongings, her license, stuff like that. Um, that lupus medication was specifically for headaches that she would get. Uh, Chris said that Shanann had been taking a little bit more than she had previously just because she had come back from a trip to North Carolina to visit her family and she'd been there for the past six weeks and wasn't used to the humidity quite yet. The officer made notes that there was nothing missing that someone would have taken if they were like leaving town. All of her personal belongings were there. No phone chargers, no cell phones, no clothes, no toothbrushes, no suitcases. They were all left in their original place. So the only thing missing are those baby blankets. Mm-hmm. Everything else is still at the house. Yes. Okay. All the clothes were left in their original places. Even more strange, the only activity that the in-home security recorded that morning was when Chris left for work at around 5.15. The officer discussed that Chris's neighbor had told him about a security camera that faced the street and the outside of Shanann and Chris's house. So they both went over to that house to see what the security camera had captured that morning. When they reviewed the tapes, the only thing that they found was Chris leaving for work at 5.17. The only thing is he didn't leave for work immediately. Chris's truck was in the driveway and he pulled out, backed it in, and loaded something into his car. Okay. Chris explained that he does this to make it easier to load his tools into the bed of his truck for his job, but if that's the case, why not just back up in the first place? And, like, why do you have to bring tools to your own job? He's a oil field worker, so I guess, like, you need, like, the basic stuff, like your kit. I don't know. I've never worked in oil fields. Like, (laughs) oil fields are not... A, a, a bring-your-own-profession, I don't think. I really have no idea okay. what that entails, but it could be, I guess. 
But maybe you have your own tools. Maybe you, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're into your own tools and you know, you know how guys are sometimes and yeah. got my drill and it's my special drill and I don't want to use any other drill. My point is I don't think they were tools. <laughs> Chris kept explaining to the officer that if anyone had picked her up or she had left, it would have been captured on the camera, but yeah. it wasn't. It was also at this time that Chris turned to the officer and said, Shanann is also 15 weeks pregnant. Oh. Yeah. So now we're looking for someone who is pregnant and missing. And also there's two children who are unaccounted for. So I do have a question that you may or may not know the answer to. Can I ask it? Yes, go for it. Um, so we talked about the cameras that, that captured the comings and goings, or I guess just the going of Chris. Is there no other way in or out of the house that would be out of reach of the cameras? Not of the whole street, because you can, I'm, I'm sure with that camera, you just can see the street and the whole house. Like, is there a back door, side door, something that could have... I think there was a side gate that she could leave from, but she still would have been captured on the cameras because she, she would have been leaving from the street. And also... Gotcha. Yeah, but I think the... When we had a ring camera, like, yes, you could have left through the gate, but it still would have seen you. That's true. Past. And who doesn't have a ring camera right now? You know, now I it was a camera as well. It wasn't a ring. It was like a, a good like a security camera. You got it. Okay. And also, where are you going to go with the three and a four-year-old on foot with just their baby blankets? I, true. Yes. And like, be point. unseen, unheard. So after they both viewed the tapes, the officer told Chris, hey, you go ahead and head back to the house. I'm going to take down this guy's information in case we have to follow up with him. As soon as Chris left, like as soon as Chris closed that door, the neighbor turned to him, the officer, and said, he's not acting right at all. Yeah. Okay. He said he's never fidgety like that, and he usually knows him to be very calm and collected. And one thing he also said is that he's never seen Chris back his truck up like that to load his tools in. Oh. Ah. Yes. And he would know if it's just a tool set, just carry it. Right. Are you? Is, is the fire tools going to make a difference? I don't think it's like, I don't think they're tools that are substantial enough for you to need to back your truck up. No, I can't imagine. The neighbor was like, I feel suspicious of him just because he's babbling on and on. And he seems really frantic. The officer did take what he had to say into account, but he also had to, you know, innocent until you know, guilty. He said, you know, imagine yourself in that position, so I can understand why he might be acting a little abnormal and weird. Yeah, I guess. It's just, a, well, yeah, because, like, now I can understand, now that they know that she's not there. But when he was acting suspicious at the start, I don't yeah. know, man. A little suspicious. Yeah. Upon arrival back at the house, two other officers had come onto the scene because he had called for backup. Chris told the officers that he and Nicole had exhausted every option as far as her friends and family could go, and none of them knew where she, Bella, or Cece were. So police were left with nothing else to do, and they just kind of had to leave Chris at his house without his wife and kids. 
they left him with the 24-hour emergency number and told him that they would get right on filing Shanann as a missing person. You know, I think he did it. But if he didn't do it, that really must be a lonely house. Like, can you imagine how much that would suck? Oh my gosh, yeah. You're just like, where are they? How do you sleep? You don't. Probably don't. Nicole was left completely shaken and just extremely worried. She knew Shanann very well. They had been friends for about two or three years at this point, And she knew she would never do anything like this. And it was completely out of character. So she knew something was like very wrong here. A day later, on August 14th, Chris was called by the Frederick Police Department so they could obtain information for a missing persons report on Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. Media at this point had caught wind of the situation and started flying over to get shots of the house and report on the disappearance. Officers started to go door-to-door, handing out flyers and asking neighbors if they knew anything about Shannon or the girls, or if they had seen anything out of the ordinary on the 13th or the days leading up to it. The most they got out of that was that there was a unfamiliar small gray truck in the neighborhood. Smaller than Chris's truck, but um, that really left them with nothing. Yeah, just like yeah. someone parking? Yes. Meanwhile, at the scene, they brought in a canine unit to help pick up the scent of um, Shanann, Cece, and Bella, and hopefully the canines would be able to track them. When the team came in, they actually commented on how clean the place was, and one would even say it was too clean. Ah. Uh. That's never a good sign. No, not really. How far did the dogs get? To the yard? Well, yeah, they, they couldn't they couldn't pick it up. Ah, well, I wonder why. Chris, in an odd turn of events, went across the street to talk to the media about Shanann and the girls' disappearance. Now, this wasn't really like a planned, like, okay, you're going to talk to this news crew and plead for your girls to come back type of move. He just went over there, and they started talking to him, and he started answering their questions. Okay, all right. Yeah. During the questioning, he was asked if he had had an argument with Shanann before her disappearance, and Chris said that they did not have what he considered to be an argument, but they had an emotional discussion. Um, an emotional discussion? An emotional discussion, so... Hey, about... Oh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. But this is how he described it. An emotional discussion. That is how he described it. All right. It is important to note that up until this point, Chris had not shown any outward emotion about the disappearance of his wife or children. Oh, yeah. Has he, like, cried at all? No. And at the end of that interview, he did say, Girls, please come home safely. That stuff. But it was... Like, if you watch the clip, it's really creepy because he just says it deadpan to the camera. Uh, no crying, no breakage of the voice. Like, there's nothing. Mm. And, like, you shouldn't judge someone on how they initially react to something. But that just... But, like, come on, man. Seems a little weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose he could have been in shock. You know, you never know how you react to these things until you're placed in the situation. But it's not looking so good. 
Not looking good for you, man. With nowhere else to go and an obligation to look into Chris as a possible suspect, police went to Nicole to get more information about the strain Shanann's six-week trip to North Carolina may have put on Chris and Shanann's relationship. Shanann had planned to visit North Carolina with Bella and Cece because her parents and Chris's parents hadn't seen their grandchildren in quite a bit. Okay. So she planned to go down there for six weeks, but Chris couldn't be away from work for that long. So their compromise was Shanann and the girls would go first for five weeks, and then Chris would join them during the last week so that he could fly home with them. Okay. So is she able to work from anywhere, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's because that's a long time. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good for her. That's great. During the North Carolina trip, Shanann was very frustrated because a couple weeks into the trip, she had heard hardly anything from her husband, who she'd been together with for eight years, and he hadn't talked to his children in weeks. Yeah, um, amazing. He sounds like an amazing guy. He, really? He's really sounding like he's chalked off to be, but... In her Facebook profile, she always bragged about him. Like, he was the best dad. He's a hero. That type of thing. Yeah, but everybody does that on social media. Social media is <laughs> so fake. You're not going to be like, oh, my God, we had a, you know, I ate Cheerios for breakfast. And then we had a little fight before he walked out the door. Nobody posts that crap. Fair enough. Nicole said that the second or third week, Shanann was there she had gotten to a fight with chris's mom actually because when she went to chris's mom's house she found that she had purchased an ice cream flavor that had all these nuts in it now cc is allergic to nuts like very allergic to nuts um, um she told her mother-in-law about this and told her that cc like absolutely can't have it and that sparked a huge fight between the two with Shanann claiming that Cindy was trying to kill her baby and Cindy claiming that she had no idea about the allergy and it was like a whole big thing. I don't really know how it blew up that much. I mean, it's pretty dangerous. Like, nut allergies are no jokes. And yeah. some people can die from like a 14th of a peanut, so. Okay. I don't know, yeah. man. It might have been, like, a really serious allergy. And especially if that's your grandchild, like, she you should know that. Also, the in-law the in relationship, you know, can be a bit complicated. So. Yeah, this, this in-law relationship is definitely complicated. His parents actually didn't go to their wedding. Oh, see? Either way, Shanann ended up sending Chris a text that read, You should call your dad and tell him you did not appreciate your mom putting your daughter at risk today. Chris wrote back, I will call him and tell him what I think about it. It's not effing cool at all, because it is the kids. I will set this right. So Chris seemed to be on her side in this one. Okay, that's a good response. Yes. Well, because I'm sure it freaked her the hell out. Uh, Cindy ended up kicking her out of the house. Uh, and Shanann was like, okay, that's fine. So she, she just went back to her parents' house where they celebrated Cece's third birthday. There's a bunch of super cute videos of like her blowing out her candles and stuff like that. But Cindy and her husband did not show up 
to the party. Wait, the child's grandparents did not show up to the grandchild's third birthday party. Is that what you just said? Yes, that is what I just said. Amazing. They sound like amazing people, just like their son. Yeah. Nicole received a text that things were bad, and Shanann had only seen Chris act this distance once before, which was after their wedding, because his parents didn't attend the wedding. So it seems like Chris kind of gets upset and kind of distanced himself from Shanann when his parents get involved. I see. Which also, he was distant after the wedding? Are you joking? Yeah. Yeah, ouch, right? Talk about a way to cause an immediate divorce. (laughs) Oh, no. You're fucking a gnomon at that point. (laughs) Cindy said she never really liked Shanann. And um, Chris said that his mom and his sister thought that... Shanann was taking Chris away from them type of thing. Okay, that's kind of creepy. It's, it's very, it's very, um, not to bash this woman, but it's very, like, protective mother-in-law. Or protective mother for him. Into, yeah, is he a mama's boy? He that sounds like hearing? a mama's boy. Yeah, and she did good with that, obviously. So. Yeah. Thank God I never had to deal with that and. <laughs> that's good yeah not cool not cool Shanann actually ended up sending a text to Chris while she was on the trip and she said that she had realized their relationship was missing something and that it was that the entire thing was completely one-sided she was giving more than he was giving mm-hmm She said, I can't come back like this. I need you to meet me halfway. She felt it was completely ridiculous that as soon as she left, she became an afterthought. He had pretty much no contact with her or the kids and never reached out. At one point, she said to him, I kept looking at my phone all night with no responses from you. Like, seriously, we've been together eight years and have 2.5 children together. No, that's kind of insane. Yeah, like... You can't take a moment to respond. And also, when she would, like, try to call him, his phone would be turned off. She's like, why the hell is your phone turned off? Why is it? How oh, is it like that one couple on 90 Day Fiance? When she came back to America, remember? And she kept trying to get a hold of Vinny in Africa, and he was out at the club partying oh, with yeah. his phone off. Damn it, boys. Don't do that. Come on. Don't treat your woman like that. When Chris finally arrived for that last week in North Carolina, things seemed to only get worse. Shania relayed to a friend that when he got to the airport, he kissed her once, and that was all the affection she got for him the entire trip. Oh my god. Yeah, they hadn't seen each other in five weeks. Right, yeah. That's not a good sign, girlfriend. Get the hell out of there. No, girlfriend. Leave. Shanann said that she felt so unwanted, and at this point she told her friend that um, she took a shower that night, which was kind of her way of telling him, hey, I would like to have some sex tonight because we haven't seen each other in five weeks. And he instead decided to do push-ups in the room. What? (laughs) He started doing the push-up challenge, as he called it, while she sat in bed crying to herself. He didn't, like, notice? No, he didn't notice. 
Why would he notice? He he was in his zone. Oh my god. Not the push-up challenge. She couldn't understand how he had gone five and a half weeks without having any contact with her, and then now he doesn't want to have sex with her. And apparently they had a pretty good sex life up until this point, so... Want to kiss her? Well, like, gosh, like, even crawl into bed and snuggle? Yeah. Hey, I missed you. Or even, like, no, you know, do some push-ups. talk to you? <laughs> wow. He continued to claim that nothing was wrong, and she said she had never been shut out like this. This is when Shanann first started to suspect that he was getting his needs fulfilled from elsewhere. Yeah, because, like... After hearing all of this, the police started to look into Chris a lot more seriously. Good. They brought him in for questioning on the 15th of August, so this is only two days after the initial disappearance. And at this point, the search for the girls had become a nationwide affair, and the FBI had actually come in to help in the search for Shanann, Bella, and Cece. I vaguely remember this when it was on the news. Yeah. When they first disappeared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it's 2018, so... 2018, yeah, okay, so what, three years ago? Exactly. Is that math right on the fly, man? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't. <laughs> Emma's like, I'm out, no math for me. <laughs> Chris said that at first, when Shanann and the girls went missing, he felt that Shanann had simply left the house to, like, kind of decompress after their, quote, emotional talk, but when she... Oh, yeah, back to that. Back yeah. to that. Gotta bring that up again. But after she didn't come back and all the police forces showed up, he started to realize that maybe someone had taken them. He said for this to be plausible, though, that it would have to be someone that she knew because nothing in the house was disturbed to his knowledge. Also, there was the big issue of nothing showing up on any security cameras, ring cameras, the security system that logged when people went in and out of the doors, that type of thing. They started to question the possibility of Shanann running off with a lover, maybe. At 15 weeks pregnant? At 15 weeks pregnant with another man. No, guys. No. Uh Uh-uh. He was like, no, absolutely not. And even if that was happening, then it was completely unaware to him and he had no idea or even a suspicion. Because it didn't happen. Officers then started to turn their attention to Chris. They noticed that Chris, over the years, had gotten himself into much better shape. He went from 245 pounds to a slim 185. And they were like, okay, so when a guy slims down like that, sometimes it's because he's trying to go after someone else. They then asked if he was seeing anyone new. He completely denied this fact. We're going to jump back a little bit to when the whole family returned back from North Carolina. Uh, When she returned, she was completely devastated with how things had gone with Chris. Her friends tried to reassure her, and they were like, well, it seems like he might be at least willing to change. But Shanann felt so confused about the way he was acting. One minute he would be apologizing, telling her he loves her, and then the next he would just be completely ignoring her and not want anything to do with her. It got to the point where one night, Shanann was updating a friend on 
her like just trying to have any type of sexual interaction with her husband because she had been craving it. Chris had gone to the shower and she was waiting for him on the bed naked. And when he came out, he completely rejected her. Like, just said no. Mm. Shanann came back to her friend an hour later to say that Chris had rejected her and she had been bawling for the past hour. When she went back to their room, she said, who's the other woman? And he completely denied sleeping with anyone else. He was like, no, 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 that never happened. Absolutely not. Okay, then what's up? Yeah, and he was like, it's just a lack of communication. And she was like, no, it's not. I mean, you're the one not communicating. She thought the only explanation was that Chris was mad about his parents, like the situation that happened over there, or that Chris was lying about his faithfulness. Yeah. Then on August 10th, Shanann had to fly out to a training convention, so Chris had the kids Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Shanann was picked up by Nicole at 4.30 a.m. August 10th. She had actually just returned from an ultrasound, and they had found out she was having a boy. Which uh, Chris had always wanted a boy. And they were going to name him Nico. Nico? Yeah. That's cute. Right before leaving, Shanann left a multi-page letter to Chris detailing how much she missed him and their love that they shared together. And she wanted to fight for their marriage to make it work. I understand that. You know, she's got two and a half little kids and she still loves the guy, so... I just feel bad because, like, he's clearly... He's clearly pulling away. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand, but it's just... um, It's a hard thing to up and leave when you've got Mm -hmm. little kids and facing being... I've been a single mom, y'all. I know that it's not the easiest gig in the world, and she's pregnant to boot. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of understand her. Yeah, for sure. It's hard. Back in the interrogation room, Chris was asked to take a polygraph exam. Uh, Now we're going to do a little sidebar uh, on polygraphs for a second, just because um, they're interesting. A polygraph or lie detector test is a procedure that measures or records several physiological indicators such as blood pressure, pulse, respiration, and skin conductivity to determine whether or not an individual is lying. There's a lot of factors that can change or fluctuate these types of um, indicators. So a lot of polygraphs are just complete horseshit, in my opinion. What even is skin conductivity? I'm, I'm Googling it as we speak. Yeah, because can't you just like stay still and calm during a polygraph and then... Electrodermal activity. It's actually a thing. It is actually a thing. You can you can definitely trick a polygraph, and you can also get a false negative if you're like stressed out about it, or you have too many emotions connected to the situation. Yeah, the health issue. Interesting. It's, it's actually the phenomenon that the skin momentarily becomes a better conductor of electricity when either external or internal stimuli occur that are physiologically arousing. Hmm. So, for example, you're telling a lie. Mm-hmm. I guess. Hmm. You learn something every day. Okay. Anyway, I'll shut up now. 
<laughs> With that being said, the woman who gave Chris his polygraph, like, really knew what she was doing. She administered, like, countless polygraphs before this. She they, they brought in a really good woman for this. During Chris's polygraph, he relayed what went down the morning of Shanann's disappearance. This was the first instance of Chris admitting that the emotional talk they had that morning was actually a talk about them possibly getting separated and selling their house. Ouch. Yikes. After the polygraph test, the examiner came in with the investigator to inform him that he had in fact failed miserably, and to that he responded, Okay. Okay, that's it? He said, okay, and then they went on to say something else. He's like, but I didn't lie on it. And that was pretty much his response. Okay. I mean, sir. I feel like when I do something that I know I didn't do, I try to, like, overcompensate. Well, yeah, everyone does that. You're accusing him of having something, well, not accusing him yet, but, like, if he's lying, they're saying that he's lying about the story that is related to his wife and two and a half children disappearing. So why is he not freaking out and being like, no, guys, I didn't lie. Yeah. I'm my wife. I'm yeah. kids. Like, get all Amanda Berry with it. <laughs> right? There's a badass. Yeah. At this point, the investigators told him to just stop. And the interrogation process with Chris began in the hopes of obtaining some sort of confession. Chris stuck to his story, but added one detail. Okay. Nicole Kessinger, or Nikki, met Chris at work in June of 2018. Hold up. Is this a different Nicole? Than- this is a different Nicole. Thank you. Okay. We're going to call her Nikki, because that is her nickname, and just keep it a little easier. Sure. She was told that he had two daughters, and that he was in the process of divorcing his wife. Uh Um, Which she was very much not. She was very much not at all. But he discussed it in an emotional conversation. Not when he met her. Not when he met her, though. Ah, he was planning on it. This emotional conversation happened August 13th. Gotcha. And he met Nikki when? June. June, wow. Two months months before that, yeah. Nikki admitted that their relationship went beyond friendship, and she was under the impression that they were dating. Oh, girl. Well, she's also under the impression that he's going through a divorce, right? So Yes. Uh, Nikki actually called the station herself earlier that day when she heard about the disappearance and was like, hey, uh, what's going on? I think you're dating that guy. Yeah. (laughs) How's that conversation go? (laughs) Chris admitted that the five weeks while Shanann was in North Carolina, he was with Nikki almost every day. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's why he was not accessible on the telephone. Yes, exactly. He said, I'm not proud of it. I denied it. I cheated on her, but I didn't do anything to her. Hey. Oh, boy. 
After five to six hours of interrogation, Chris pretty much completely broke down. He was very upset, and he requested to talk to his dad. Not a lawyer or anything? No, just his dad. His dad had traveled from North Carolina to Colorado, uh, both his parents actually. They agreed to allow him to talk to his dad on the terms that he would tell his dad what had happened. Oh. Chris told his father that he no longer wanted to protect Shanann's image anymore because she was the one who hurt the girls. What? And then he hurt her in response. Okay. He claims that that morning, Shanann had smothered the girls after they had had their emotional conversation. When he found them, they were both completely blue. Oh. Mm-hmm. Huh? Uh-huh. He then lost it and choked her. This is actually the first time we see Chris cry. Not when he's at the scene and he knew his little girls were dead. Not when he was faced with Sharon's dead body, but when he realized he couldn't save his own ass anymore. Yeah. He's a narcissist, guys. Exactly. It's disgusting. Chris said that he loaded the bodies into his truck, as shown on the security camera, and that he dumped them in the first location that he went to that day, which was Survey Ranch, the location he was working. Oh. He said that Shanann was buried in a shallow grave, but that he had dumped the girls into an oil tank. What? Yeah. It does not. It's... Those are your children. Those are your literal children. And apparently you didn't murder. Um, so why are you throwing them in an oil tank? Whatever you said. Oil drum? Oil something? Oil tank? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They brought in a picture of the site and he pointed out where Shanann was buried and the tank that the girls were located in. He was adamant about the fact that he did not lay a hand on his children, but obviously the police weren't buying it. Good. But they have enough to keep him because he did admit to murdering Shanann. They theorized he killed the girls before Shanann came home and then killed her afterwards. Chris was taken into custody and held. On August 17th, they were able to recover the bodies of Shanann Watts, Bella Watts, and Celeste Watts. A candlelight vigil was held that night with Shanann's parents at the head of it. This is when they uncovered what really happened while Shanann was on that business trip. Mm-hmm. On Saturday night, Chris had planned on going to a Colorado Rockies game, which is uh, the baseball team in Colorado. Yeah. And he got a babysitter for the girls. Shanann was completely fine with his plan, you know, yada, yada, yada. In actuality, he was going on a date to a bar called the Lazy Dog with Nikki. We have one of those. We have a Lazy Dog. Yeah. Yeah. We have a Lazy Dog. Yeah, but he was going there with his mistress. Uh Great. He thinks she's his girlfriend. Yes, exactly. 
But the only problem was when Shanann checked the bank statements for that night, she saw all the charges from Lazy Dog, which wasn't immediately alarming to her because, you know, maybe he went out for food after the game. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But the total was over $60 for yeah. one person. For one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not the brightest bulb now. Oh, like you wouldn't be in cash? Yeah, go to an ATM, bro. Sure, there's got to be one around. When she asked him, like, hey, what did you order that was $60? He was like, oh, I had salmon and a beer. And she was like, okay. So she looked up the menu and she's like, that doesn't add up. Yeah, girl boss. She knew what she was doing. She also found that their security system picked up him coming home at 1030, which was very odd as why would you stay at dinner until 1030? No, it's baseball. Probably should have gone longer than that. Depending on the time of the game. Yeah, baseball takes forever. Yeah. And, and then went to dinner? Like, no way. The game shouldn't have even been done at 1030. Well, the thing was, it was an afternoon game, and then he went to dinner. Oh, okay. An afternoon game? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, That makes even less sense, though. Yeah, exactly. Shanann confronted him about these charges again, and she was like, I know you're seeing someone, blah, 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 this and that. And he still denied it. He would not let that go. And she was like, fine, whatever. The next day, she called him from the airport, and she asked her friends that she was there with, she was like, hey, can you guys watch my stuff real quick? I'm going to go call my husband. And then she came back five minutes later, and they were like, weren't you going to go call your husband? She was like, yeah, I called him, but he said he wanted to work out, and he even started working out while I was on the phone with him. Wow. So he's definitely just checked out. At this point. Uh-huh. He's, I mean, you guys, he's got that push-up challenge going on, so. Don't disturb the push-up <laughs> challenge. It's really, really dedicated It's to very that. important. Yeah. Can't even have a 15-minute conversation with your wife. Absolutely not. Not. That's just 15 minutes of push-ups. How much push-ups time? So this is why Nicole said that Shanann had been upset the previous night at the airport. She started talking to her friends about how she doubted herself and she thought everything was her fault and all this, which it's not. It just like, that's how you feel. Yeah. That situation. The last text that she sent Chris was that her plane was taking off and that she loved him. He apparently passed out on the couch and didn't reply to this text. Jeez. This guy. Just didn't even reply when he woke up? No. Or, no, he replied, but he didn't say I love you. Like, at all. He said, oops, I fell asleep. Ugh, what a jerk. Yeah. Where where are the girls? Did the girls he he picked up the girls after? Uh yeah no the the girls were at the house with the babysitter. Oh right 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 okay okay yeah. got it. So he came home at ten thirty, paid the babysitter. Babysitter left. Yeah, something. 
Chris stuck to his retelling of the story and he denied laying a hand on his children. He claimed over and over again that it was Shanann who went crazy after he brought up the idea of divorce. Despite this, they were planning on charging him for all three murders and he was to face up to life in prison or death. Should he get charged for four murders? That's a good question. It depends on the state, I think. That's true. Dozens of Facebook groups were started around this time for the sole purpose of pulling apart each piece of evidence in Shanann's Facebook page. Every piece of evidence that was public was highly examined. Unfortunately, most of the attention was being directed negatively at Shanann. Which, she's literally dead. Yeah. Are you joking? Don't do that. Many people criticized Shanann's parenting style, and a lot of people actually said that Shanann drove Chris to kill her. Okay, that's way too far. Completely disgusting. It's the grossest thing I've ever heard. No. No. Uh, No. Like, that's so inappropriate. Exactly. We don't don't blame the victim. We don't do that. Never. A lot believed that Chris was actually completely innocent, and he was just being criticized on his initial reaction because it had no emotion. Mm, I think there's a little more to that, but okay. Yeah, like, I think maybe he didn't have an initial reaction because he killed them, but... Also, why would Shanann kill her own children? Exactly. I know we talked about (laughs) Facebook being like, oh, you're showing, like, like it, social media is fake, but like she loved those kids. The, the, they were oh, absolutely, kids. absolutely. But and you're not, you're only going to post them when they have their hair combed and they're dressed nice and that kind of thing. But um, no, never once doubted that she loved her babies. Yeah, of course. Being pregnant, there's no way. Yeah, a pregnant woman does that. Social media was used to attack Shanann's character, and it started to be used to. A- harass her friends and family it got so bad that at one point frank her father made a public statement pleading for people to stop wow Mm -hmm. it should not have had to go that far it shouldn't have happened at all no people are gross sometimes three months after the murder when chris was going into trial he shocked his supporters when he entered a plea deal of guilty to all nine counts against him these included first degree murder for shanann bella and cece the unlawful termination of a pregnancy in the effect of nico watts so Um, there you go Gemma. I was just thinking about the Scott and Lacey Peterson case, and I know he was charged with two murders because she was pregnant, but she was almost full term. Yeah, this was only 15 weeks, so. Yeah. The most they could get him on was termination, unlawful termination. And then he also had three counts of unlawful tampering with the body. With this plea deal, he would avoid the death penalty. Chris said that the night Shanann got home from the airport, he didn't know how to hide his cheating any longer. He knew that she knew what was going on based on the big statements that she had received. They ended up having sex that night, and when they woke up, 
he told her that the relationship wasn't working anymore. But we'll go ahead and have sex. So go ahead and have sex. Sure. One last time before I tell her what I need to say. Uh-huh. She was obviously very upset by this. She claimed she knew there was someone else, but he denied one last time. Chris then claims that she said, you'll never see your children again. He went on to say that if he'd never met Nikki, that he wouldn't have realized that his relationship with Shanann was so bad. <laughs> and that he didn't love her anymore. He said he felt like he knew what he had to do. There was already a plan implanted in his mind that he was going to murder her and that when he woke up that morning, it was going to happen and he had no control over it. Um, you do, but that's an interesting theory. I literally wrote, um, sir, but you did. Yeah, because, sir, sir, you did. You're delusional. Mm -hmm. He just couldn't let go of her or his idea of murder, apparently. He then started to smother Shanann with a pillow while she was lying face down on the bed. He said she didn't struggle that much, and it was pretty easy. This is a very big trigger warning for this point, because Bella actually walked into the room. Oh my god. And she said, what's wrong with mommy? He didn't answer her and instead wrapped Shanann in the sheet from their bed and loaded her into the truck, where he placed her on the floor of the back seat. He then took Bella and Cece and put them in the back seats. Uh, both of the girls were alive at this point, and they both brought their baby blankets with them. Mm-hmm. The girls kept asking Chris if Mommy was going to be okay, and he kept responding... She'll be fine. He drove up to the oil field where he would be working that day, which was about a 45-minute drive. The girls were in the back, kind of dozing off, asleep, and he kept going back and forth on whether or not he could, quote-unquote, save them. Are you serious? Yeah. Which, no, you're not saving them, even if you don't kill them. Yeah. the furthest thing from what you're doing. Yeah, you've already killed their mother, dude. This next part is the really disturbing part. So just once again, trigger warning for this part. When he got out of the car, um, he put Cece's baby blanket over her head and suffocated her to death. In front of the other child? Yes. Wow. He said, "Ah, she didn't struggle at all. And Bella watched the whole thing as it happened. She said, what happened to Cece? And he replied by doing the same thing to her. And apparently the last thing that Bella ever said was, Daddy, no. So um, that part's really hard. (laughs) After disposing of their bodies, Chris made several calls. One of which was to the girls' preschool, saying that the girls were being unenrolled. Ah! He then called about selling his house. And then he texted Nikki about how bright their future was. Oh my god. I would feel horrible as Nikki, personally. Guys, I was having a hard time with uh, getting rid of the poor little mouse that died on the glue trap in my garage today. Oh my god, it was traumatic. It was very traumatic. I couldn't do it. 
like this man just annihilated his entire family and then was like oh my god I'm so excited to see you later that's beyond disturbing during the trial family and friends gave emotional impact statements to cement the rippling pain that was caused by Chris Watts Mm-hmm. One of the things that was said was by the lawyer that represented Shanann and her family. He said, when you want to start a new relationship, you get a divorce. You don't just annihilate your entire family. Yeah, absolutely. Judge Marcielo Cupcow said that this crime was one of the most inhumane and vicious that he had handled out of the thousand cases that he had handled, and that anything less than the maximum sentence would depreciate from the seriousness of this offense. I agree. And then he said, deputies, I would respectfully ask that you take the defendant into custody and have him serve the rest of his life. He received five life sentences without the possibility of parole, and they added an extra 84 years because of his charges of unlawful termination and unlawful tampering with a body. Man is never getting out. No. That's a good thing. That is a very good thing. Chris is currently serving his life sentences plus that 84 years at Dodge Correctional Institution in Wapong, Wisconsin. Nicole, Chris's girlfriend, has since changed her name and moved away from Colorado. One can understand. Oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, Chris in custody sucks. Like, everyone hates him. He's a total outcast. Good. Honestly. Shanann and her daughters were laid to rest September 18th, 2018 in Pinehurst, North Carolina. In lieu of flowers, family and friends attending the funeral were asked to make donations to the Lupus Foundation in Shanann's memory instead. Outside of the Watts residence, gifts, flowers, and cards were left in memorial after the funeral and the trial. And this continued on for several weeks. One of the things Shanann had said in one of her Facebook Live videos was, We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised anything, but being able to enjoy our children and every crazy moment. It can be super crazy, but I love them. On January 26, 2020, there was a Lifetime movie that came out entitled Chris Watts' Confession of a Killer, made about her death and the death of Bella and Cece. Um... I didn't watch the movie. One, because I was trying to get factual information and it's a Lifetime movie. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And another thing that I noticed about the movie, though, was that the person who plays Shanann is the actress who played Victoria in How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Love her. I feel like I'm going to watch it now that I know all the facts and can discern what's true and what's not. Right. Yeah. Shanann's family was very hesitant about the movie and thought it would portray Shanann or the girls in a bad light. They have not commented since the movie's release. And then on September 30th, 2020, the Netflix documentary was released and it was called um, American Murder, The Family Next Door. Yes, that's the one I watched. Yes. So that brings us to the end of the very long case of Shanann Watts. 
A two-hour case. <laughs> Sorry, that may have been partially my fault. It's okay. But this was fun, guys. Yeah. It was one of those cases that just kind of sucks you in. And because right. it's so recent, there's so many things you can read about it. And I was yeah. like, I, I need to do this case today because like literally like 30 minutes before I was ready to record, I was still adding things. Like <laughs> there's nice. so much out there. Yeah. Thank you guys for watching. And I hope you enjoyed. Go follow us on Instagram at True Crime Say What. And you can email us at truecrimesaywhat at gmail.com. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. And we will see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.